At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. Everybody's got set up in the middle of this bedding picket. Um, it's saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. Down right yards. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes, and we're going back to the basics again, and we're covering talent and hard work. What does it take to kill these bucks? I think there's a giant misconception of new hunters and hunters that are kind of been in the game for a while of these absolute killers and why they're killing these these bucks there's a whole bunch of things combined um, but we're going to go over a few things and give you my two cents on talent versus versus hard work Um, but before we do that let's get into the people that make this possible starting off with exodus Uh, so let's face it we all have a camera that's lying around it's either broken or completely worthless Um, thankfully right now after a ton of great feedback from Exodus, um, they are opening up the upgrade program once again this year in April. Um, so how does it work? Um, you can order any camera on ExodusOutdoorGear.com and use code UPGRADE, all, all caps, to save 25% on an Exodus render, a rental bundle, a rival, or a rival bundle. After placing your order, the Exodus team will send you a return label for your trade-in camera. So... Once you receive your camera in the mail, um, and you're going to get the 25% off, you're going to send back that junk camera. No matter if it's 10 years old, 15 years old, whatever it is, doesn't work, broken half, send it back, um, and they're going to give you that 25% off. 
And uh, don't forget about that five-year warranty. This is also in this upgrade program. You still get that five-year no BS warranty, five-year theft and damage coverage, uh, best-in-class customer service. So um, hopefully you can take advantage of this deal and save some. And if you had a couple cams that took a shit on you last year, you're able to trade them in and get that 25% off on one of those new rivals and get you back in the game. Um, so you can check out everything at out, exodusoutdoorgear.com. And if you want to go uh, directly to it, you can go to exodusoutdoorgear.com, Exodus Upgrade Program. All right, well, let's get into this show. And uh, first off, I want to appreciate you guys tuning in week after week. The numbers, even off season, has been just absolutely incredible this year. Um, really, really grateful for all you guys. I'm grateful for everybody that tunes in and listens every week to support me. Um, I've got to meet some of you here recently. Um, it's been really, really fun meeting you guys and getting to know the listeners a little bit more. Um, huge shout out to all my Patreon. I know you guys are listening, really being uh, supportive and kind of giving your two cents on the podcast and, and adding in and uh, really, really getting behind me um, in this mission to to continue this this brand and continue releasing episodes every Wednesday. Um, going to go for 10 years right now. That's the goal. I'm five and a half. I'm going to go for 10 and see what I feel like. So I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to miss a Wednesday for another five years for you guys. Um, and, uh, just put in that dedication and hard work. All right. Well, getting into this episode, um, there, it is thunderstorming in the back. So if you guys hear some background noise, apologize about that. Um, we're going to do two things here. We're going to talk about hard work versus talent and hunting and, and in life a little bit. And then we're also going to do some listener-submitted questions. Um, had some listeners uh, send in some questions that they wanted answers. Probably do that towards the end of it. But let's get into this. Going back to the basics, what is more successful, hard work or talent, when it comes to killing big deer? Now, when you look at talent in a nutshell, in hunting or in life, I think talent is kind of vague in hunting. Um, when I think of talent, I think of someone that is like really, really good at shooting a bow. Like uh, they're just naturally gifted. Maybe they have really good form. Um, but there's also the hard work side of that where they had to shoot a lot of arrows. But there is some guys that are just naturally gifted to be able to shoot further yardage. Um, you know, they have natural talent of shooting a bow. Other than that, when it comes to hunting, I think the talent is pretty limited. And that's where I think the misinformation or the people that don't understand how these these guys that are year after year are killing these bucks, I don't think they understand the amount of work that they put in to kill these deer, the amount of effort that they're putting in. I think that they just think that they're really good at killing deer, which don't get me wrong, they are, but none of these guys are uh, go out there one time, kill these deer. They're a go out there 30 times, kill this deer. I go out there 15 times, kill this deer. Um, it's never, uh, sometimes, you know, they go in one hunt and they're able to kill a deer. I've done that as well. Um, but that it's just situational. So when it comes to hard work and hunting, it's not, it's not the same. Um, so I was at the Iowa deer classic and, you know, I was talking to some guys and they're like, man, they're just really, really good. You know, they have a lot of talent at hunting. Um, and it got me thinking like, in my opinion, I don't think you can have that now in life. You can have talent in a lot of things. You could be really good at basketball, just naturally gifted at basketball. You can jump higher. You can run faster. You can shoot better. Now, you're going to have to put hard work in, but you might not have to work as hard as someone else. And when it comes down to the hunting side of that, 
Um, I think what it comes down to is the land that you're hunting and the time that you have, right? So when someone says that they're really talented, I only it only took me three times to kill this deer, they had a lot of intel on that deer, so they put some hard work in getting it, or the deer was just easier to kill and the ground was better, straight up. Um, and the reason I can feel confident saying that is because I've been there. Three of my but my uh, bucks that I killed um, the last six or seven years, I they were easy kills. Like, they weren't like... Freeze was a little harder. I mean, I put a lot of time and effort in on him. But the other two, like, they just come off of really good property. Like, wait for a cold front, go in there, kill. Like, get in the area where you think the bucks are on cam and kill. Like, there wasn't a lot of hard work strategy. You know, I found the bedding area that first year in the off season out there shed hunting. Went in there, hung a stand, went in there, you know, two uh, two years back to back, October 15th, and killed. Um, off that same piece of property within 200 yards of the same spot of killing these deer. Um, and that is just pure ground. Uh, people were like, man, you're just really talented at killing deer. But I'm just trying, I was trying to say like, you know, I put in a little work, I made this shot. And I think that's kind of a talent, um, which we'll get into later. Um, but for, for the actual, like getting on the deer, I think that is like 90% ground. Um, you have to have good ground to kill deer. The bucks have to be there. Um, and some ground is way harder to hunt than other ground. It's just how it is. Um, and maybe you can, you know, watch the deer work on it, scout it enough, put in all the hard work to figure out how to kill off that ground. But there's some ground you're just going to struggle on because it sets up better for the deer than it sets up for you. And a lot of times that's where the biggest deer are. Because they have the advantage of, you know, they know that they're safe in there. There's less pressure. There's more, um, you know, there's more bedding areas. There's more places for them to hide. It's better cover. Um, and, and that's where they like to live. But let's just go down the list and look at some absolute killers. And a lot of you guys know these guys. And I think in general, there's this, I can't do it. So these guys are just, they're just, you know, they got, they got better ground or they're doing, they're more talented or they got better equipment. There's something to it that makes them say, well, this is why they killed a deer. And this is why I didn't kill a deer, which I think is completely wrong. Um, so let's just go down the list. Justin Hollinsworth. That guy is, you would say he's really talented. Yeah. He's incredibly talented at killing bucks. He kills one or two bucks damn near every year. Um, and giants at that. But the amount of work that he puts in is insane. You know, if you follow his Instagram, you see it. Um, he's Cisco. Same thing. He's been these guys have been hunting for so long. They they've been putting in so much, not just year to year work. It's work they put in twenty years ago when they seen a buck do something. Now they're coinciding now. Um, Andre DeQuisto, another guy, shitload of time in the woods, killing giants, literally dedicating his life to whitetails. Um, Dan Infault, literally dedicating his life to whitetails. Jake Bush, Josh Prophet, Ryan Glitzky. These are some of like the best guys that I think kill deer every single year. They kill absolute giants. They're well-known. And people would say, you know, that would be the most talented 
hunters that they are. You know, that's 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 the talent um, of the whitetail world. Um, and I know there's a bunch more out there. Andy May is on that list as well. Um, anybody from the hunting public, those guys kill a shitload of deer. There's a bunch of people on that list. Um, but I don't think it's right to just chalk those guys up as they're really talented or they just have good ground. Um, they're putting in a shitload of work in two ways. They've either put work in the past and kind of know how the deer use their property. They put work in to get the good ground. Like, yeah, they have better ground than you, but they've either worked hard, saved their money, and bought that ground, or they've put the effort in to find ground to hunt. They've got the lease. They've Like Josh Prophet and Ryan, they're finding the ground on public. They're hunting public. The hunting public, they're living very cheaply to do what they do to be able to hunt the deer that they hunt. Um, all those guys, you look at them and you could say, man, these guys are really talented. But when I look at those guys, I say, man, these guys work their ass off. And that's the difference. There is talent is during hunting and hunting. I think you can just X that off the board. In my opinion, you can outwork these, the deer, you can put enough work in. It may, it might not happen this year, but there is going to be a time if you hunt enough and you scout enough on that piece of property, you see deer do things, you get the trail cam data, you put it all together. It might take five years, but you're something is finally going to click and you're going to start killing. You're going to start killing. You're going to find what you're good at. You're going to find your groove. You're going to start figuring it out. Um, and it, the way that these deer are, are dying is, is legitimately hard work. Um, and like I said, you go back to that guy that killed, oh man, he went out and he kill, he kills giants every year. He just goes out, you know, you know, a couple of times a year and sets in the same spot and really, but that he's got really good ground and he knows how to use that ground. Maybe it, it's just the same spot. He doesn't put pressure on it. And that's, there's a, there's a thousand ways to kill these things. But if you're struggling to do it, hard work is the answer for you. If you want to kill these bucks year after year and you can't figure out what's going on, more there's it's literally not going to hurt you at all to put more work into it, more time. And that time doesn't have to be scouting. That time could be listening to a podcast from any guy that you think is successful and kind of the way that you hunt, and seeing how he hunts, and relating it to how you hunt, watching a YouTube video, reading, um, you know, looking at studies from, you know, Miss- Mississippi, you know, Deer University, all, all the schools that are doing this, looking at the studies from Spartan Forge, like, understanding what deer do, and listening to multiple different people. People think that you got to be hunting or scouting to learn, but there's a whole entire off-season where, you can pick up knowledge. And if you can't get, say you can't get permission on a, a piece of ground to hunt, you can get permission to shed hunt it, and you get on there and you just see how the deer work that ground with the sign and where you're seeing the trails, you're going you're gonna to be able to use that information somewhere else that you hunt. Like they're crossing here on this creek instead of here. I wonder why they're doing that. Or they're crossing here on this fence. I wonder why they're doing it. Or they're using the ridge three quarters up and the signs, you know, halfway down. You're going to be able to use that information on some other piece of property. So there's a lot of different ways to gain that knowledge um, to to be able to kill these deer. Um, so 
now let, let's get into the topic of where the talent is. Um, I think the talent is you could shoot really, really good. I know you put in hard work, but I, I shoot my bow. I know people. I know people that shoot my bow, shoot their bow less than me, but just can flat out shoot me. There's guys that can just flat out shoot me. You know, Jesse Hines can flat out shoot me. Matt Bartlett can sh- out shoot me. Homie, he could out shoot me sometimes when we shot together. Garrett can out shoot me. I'm not an absolute great bow shot. I'm decent. I'm solid, but I'm not. I'm not an X guy. You know, I'm not a stacking X guy. That's that's not me. And I think I shoot my bow similar to them, but I just I'm just not as talented as it. You know, maybe they shoot a little bit more than me. Maybe their practice is a little better. Their method is a little better. But I think they're naturally talented at shooting bows better than I am. This is something that I'm not really, really an expert at, right? Another, But one thing I am really talented at, I feel like, is in the moment being able to kill. That is a talent. When you're in that moment and you're drawing your bow and your heart's pumping, you're getting buck fever, and you're trying to pick your spot, that is a talent. Some people are just naturally better at it than others. And I don't know why. Um, I've talked about it with multiple people. And I think some people are just born killers. Some people are just born genetically where they're able to perform better in that situation than other people. And I'm not sure why. Maybe they don't get buck fever. Maybe as bad. Maybe they're able to, you know, not get target panic, you know, as bad. Um, Be able to pick their spot better. You know, maybe they've been in more situations um, but there's people just right out the box. First time they kill something, they're just a killer. And then they never have a problem with it. And then there's guys who struggle with it their whole entire career. And I've seen both sides of it, you know. And I think that is a talent that is naturally given, like talent is. It's just something that is naturally given to you from when you start hunting. You're just able to perform in those situations. And some other people, you know, hard work, can it help you? get better in those situations, damn right, just like everything can with hard work. Um, but there's some guys that they don't, it don't matter if they're, it's the first time they draw back on the deer or the hundredth time they draw back on the deer. They're just a killer. They're going to get the kill. They're going to do what it takes. They're going to slip a, slip the tree branch, find a hole, make it, make it happen. And they're not going to be nervous or upset about it. They're going to just absolutely make the shot. I mean, and, and I think that is where the talent comes down to. One other thing that I think is talent-driven is being able to understand property a little bit better. Um, I feel like some people just have a better flow and understanding of north, south, east, west, um, but that goes back to hard work, too. You can learn that. Um, that's the only thing that I think talent, There's the shooting the bow and the making the shot when it comes to whitetail hunting. Everything else is I think you can be just as good or better than another guy by putting in the work and figuring it out. Um, but there, the main thing is, is there's no tactic, there's no podcast, there's no one hunt, there's nothing that's going to give you the switch that's going to be like, damn, this is, this is what I've been doing wrong all these years. It's a combination of a ton of shit. It's a combination of a ton of information. It's going to be a combination of a ton of hunts, you know, and it's that's all work. Listening to the podcast, watching the YouTube videos, shooting your bow, 
reading the, the deer sign, watching the deer, see what they do on your grand, looking looking for scrapes, you know, r- running the trail cameras. That's all work in a nutshell. Um, if you want to be great at anything, it takes a ton of hours. People say the 10,000 hour. You know, if you want to be really good at something, it takes you doing it a lot to get good at it. Like, I'm not a very good runner. Like, I, I'm okay at it. But the last six weeks, I've been running a lot. And I in six weeks, I've gotten a, an, a shit ton better. A, a crazy amount better. Um, and something that I hate to do, but I'm doing it because I hate to do it. And my kid likes running. So I'm trying to get in there and, and keep up with him, basically, when he gets a little older. So I'm starting now. But... I, I don't like doing it. I don't, it sucks. And, and sometimes, you know, scouting for the seventh property this year kind of sucks. Running 30 trail cameras a year when, in the summer when it's hot kind of sucks. You know, going on the eighth hunt that you haven't seen anything, trying out a new place sucks. Um, the learning curve is the funnest and the the crappiest part of everything. Like, when you look back on it, you're like, man, that was fun. Like I was learning, you know, I was making stuff happen, making mistakes, moving over here, doing this. Um, it's type B fun. You know, it's like where you look back and it's really cool, but in the moment it sucks because it ain't, the stuff ain't working out. Um, but eventually you're going to get there and then people are going to say, man, he's just talented. He's just naturally better at killing deer than me. He's got better ground. He's got this. Um, I think that is a complete crock of bullshit. A guy can have good ground and kill deer, but if he's consistently killing deer year after year, even if it's on that ground or different ground, he's putting in work. He's doing something to make it happen. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that, you know, maybe killed one buck trying to really get in a stride or never killed that first big buck or killed a couple and maybe had a couple years off. Um, look back on those years and, and figure out, you know, did you, did you put a lot of work in? Cause that at the beginning of this, Remember I said, no matter how much work you put in, in hunting, you're not guaranteed to kill. But every little bit that you put in, every hunt that you go on, every time you go scouting, you're kicking that notch a little bit further to the kill, a little bit further to the kill, you know, and, and over time, it it eventually will happen. So like, like I said, some guys go out there, they kill a giant right away, and there's really nothing you can do about that. That's just part of the game of whitetail hunting you could be hunting a deer working your butt off for four years and your neighbor you know goes out first year and kills them so it it doesn't hunting is very very selfish when it comes to that side of it there's no you know put the work in reap your rewards it's not guaranteed you know if like i if you go in and you say i want to run a mile and you start working and you know you're really really putting in the effort and you're slowly gaining, slowly gaining, you know, you run a half mile, you run three quarters, you're eventually going to get to that mile. You put the work in. It's going to come. Deer hunting might not ever come. Man, you could go six years and it might not ever come. It's just part of the game. Um, But that is my spiel on talent versus hard work. Um, Going back to the basics, in a nutshell, this whole series, it goes back to the core basis of hunting for me is if you want to kill giant bucks, you got to put the time in the stand, you got to put the time in the woods, and you got to put the work in. Plain and simple.
you want to kill more big deer and you're trying to listen to a podcast and figure out how you can do that, what tactic can you use? Can you rattle better? Can you use scrapes? Can you hang your stand better? Can you get a mobile set? Can you do this? All that will help maybe, but this will guaranteeedly help you 100%. If you're looking for a tactic that will help, this will help. Figure out a way to either absorb content, you know, visually scout stuff, shoot your bow, anything that revolves around the art of hunting, learning the, learning it, doing it, anything is going to make you a better hunter. So that's, that's the nutshell there. Let's get into these listener submitted questions. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to get through all of them. We'll be able to get through a few of them, though. Uh, let's start here with um, Cedar Dog. How many times will you hunt a tree with good wind and, and access? All right, well... Cedar dog, I will hunt a tree with good wind and good access as long as it's foolproof many, many times throughout the year if I'm still seeing the deer. That's the deciding factor. Um, it's not, oh, the access is really good, so I'm going to keep going back, or the wind's really good. Am I seeing deer there? Is it worth me wasting the whole day there? If I go in there and hunt three days a row the same spot and I go back again and I'm still seeing deer, I'm still seeing bucks, hell yeah, I'm going back again. Like, if I'm on the edge of killing and they're close, I'm getting back in there and hunting. Um, the the access, if you're not bumping the does, you're not bumping the bucks, great. Um, but even if you're bumping a doe, you know, or two getting in, and you're still seeing deer every time you go, and the numbers aren't, like, dwindling, 
man, you got something figured out in that spot. I got a spot like that on my urban piece. You can hunt it three, four, five times in a row. And the the your the access is just so good. You're just barely in the woods, man. You're just barely off the trail that these people are hiking on. And you can just go in there and impound it, you know? So next one, born again bow hunting. Uh, let's talk about Indiana and the public land challenge. Um, can't wait for Matt. Oh, Indiana. I'm going to try to make that happen, man. It's still on the fence because, I know you're going to hate this, got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now, like everybody else, and uh, I'm going to release a Patreon podcast about that said stuff um, and go in detail with what I got going on, but uh, I'm going to try to make it happen. My life is very hectic, like everybody else, um, but... It's it was it is a dream this year to go down there and hunt with you guys would be absolutely incredible. But if you guys are interested in the in the public land challenge um, that Born Again Bow Hunting is putting on, make sure and reach out to them guys and chat with them about it and see if it's something um, <laughs> that uh, I'll read the next message and laugh and um, that maybe something you could get involved in. So um, Kevin from Born Again, um, how was the guy you slept with at ATA? Um, he was solid. Uh, the first night I met the board to get bow hunting guys, which you guys don't know this story. Um, they were kind enough to say, Hey, you know, you can stay with us at the hotel. Um, so I got in there, we were chatting. We'd never met other than just talking on Instagram. Um, so I kind of stayed closer to the door and I slept on the chair. Like, I know these guys are good guys, but I don't know like what's going to happen. Um, so I slept on a chair with like my feet up on a, maybe a cooler or a, a, I can't remember what it was, but my feet were up on something and I slept, slept on this chair. And then after hanging out with them, cause we got there like 11, 10 30 and, you know, went to bed pretty much at like midnight. So we didn't get to talk much, but after hanging out with him that first day, I ended up sleeping uh, with Kevin uh, the second night, which there's some, I, I didn't have a kid waking me up in the middle of the night. So some of the best slept sleep that I've got in years. Um, I was the first one up and took a shower cause I wake up incredibly early um, and they probably are all pissed at me because I was up showering really, really early in the morning. Um, but ATA sleep was incredible. Um, best broadhead. I oh, mean, this is a terrible talk, man. There's so many good broadheads out there. Um, if you're a fixed guy and you love fixed, find a good fix you you love. If you're a mechanical guy and you love mechanicals, find a good mechanical that you love. Um, that's a hard. That's a whole seventy-two podcast to cover. Um, Whitetail Assassin 91, why did homie step away? Uh, this is something that I've been asked personally in a lot of messages. Something that I don't think I've ever um, really discussed with you guys. Um, so I seen this question and I figured why not, you know, discuss it. So as you guys know, if you've listened in the past, homie was my co-host, best friend, um, hunting partner, the whole nine yards. Um, and we did this podcast together from the very first episode and the amount of fun that we had is just out of this world. The amount of memories I have, the nights, the Snapchats I have saved to my phone that I should share with some of you guys. Epic when we didn't have kids and we're out there, you know, doing the, this, the, you know, the married guy hanging out with his buddy, no responsibilities the next day, drinking beer, podcast until 2am, hanging out, having guests in studio, um, 
and chilling and people were out at my garage in the studio till 2, 3 a.m. And we're basically like trying to get them to leave, but they don't want to leave because they're having such a good time. And we're drinking whiskey and beer and then and, and going to ATA together and hunting different states together. And um, But the reason he stepped away was his kid got into motocross pretty heavily and it's something that he wanted to pursue. Um, he fell in love with it and he wanted to spend more time with his wife, his kids, um, and he believed that the podcast was getting in the way of that. Um, I don't think that he loved it anymore, and he just didn't want to do it anymore. I know that he said that he hates walking away from it, but he wanted to pursue other things. He's doing very, very successful at motocross, um, and uh, I love I love seeing the, the post. We don't talk near as much as we used to. I wish we did, um, but just goes, you know, when you're not doing stuff together, life goes quick. You got kids and work and, uh, things just don't come together like, like you want them to, but I do miss homie. Um, I do miss him on here. He was good to chat with when we did a podcast like this, we could have went back and forth together, kind of talked. Maybe he took the hard work side. I took the talent side and we kind of went back and forth and, and took our you know, our parts of it to, to dice out and decide, you know, where we actually think it plays a part into hunting. Um, but that's why he stepped away. He just didn't like it anymore. Um, didn't want to do the podcast thing. Um, and, uh, like I said, we don't talk near as much as I wish we did, um, to be honest with you guys. But as far as I know, he's doing incredibly well. He's doing very good at racing, getting some trophies. Um, his kids doing incredible, getting some trophies and he's getting his other kid in it. So he's doing, um, doing the best for his life and what he wants to do with his kids. So, um, Luke, leave it. Being able to forgive neighbor who shot deer you pass. That is a very hard topic, Luke. Um, I've been there. Um, we had a we had a buck we called uh, Mr. Maybe. Not like the Mr. Maybe that everybody knows, the absolute giant um, uh, that got killed on the 200 guys. But uh, the, this was just a deer that was this real solid buck, you know, mid-30s, low-40s. Um, I rattled him in late October, and I passed him at the sub-30 yards, 28, 27, somewhere in there. Um, told the neighbor I passed him. We decided to pass him, and the neighbor killed him during gun season. And don't think he ever found him. I think he hit him and never found him. Um, but that was one of the deer that was kind of upset that I passed, and then they killed. But that's inevitable. You're going to have that forever. Um, that's just something that you kind of have to put in the bank of, I, if I pass this deer, the neighbor's going to kill it. Um, something that you have to decide if you're going to pass that deer with the fact that it might get killed. Um, so that's something that you have to decide. And to forgive the guy, um, you just kind of just got you – just, you just, if you want to keep that friendship going, you just kind of got to roll the punches, man, and know next time that he's not going to pass the deer. You know, so can't hate the guy for filling his tag. Um, but if, he, you know, you had a – I wouldn't trust the guy. I would forgive him, but I wouldn't trust him. Um, uh, what broadheads are you going to use with the MMT arrows this year? So, um, as you guys know, I used the Afflictor broadheads last year. Love them. Did really, really good. Um, but I am going to probably use Rec. Um, talk to my good buddy Matt. Um, I'm not going to associate them with the brand. I'm not going to run broadhead ads this year. Um, as you guys know, I'm running the uh, Spotify ads now in Exodus, and that's pretty much exclusively what I'm going to run unless someone reaches out in season and wants to add something 
uh, but I am not going to add a broadhead. Something I'm not going to do, um, but I do really like the rec broadhead, and I just really, I have like, with Exodus, I have a very, very good relationship, business, and friendship. And the guys, Chad, Jake, Cam, they're all like really, really, really solid guys. Like, if they needed me to drive to Ohio, I would literally take off work and drive to Ohio and help them. I mean, that's how much I care for them, not as only, you know, business associates, but as like friends. Like, I consider them really, really close friends. They are really, really good people. Um, and I see that in Matt. Um, and I see that in the way he looks at his product. Um, and I want to start the relationship with him. I've known Matt from the rise many, many years ago when we first started. I can't remember. Maybe they were like episode 40 or something. Um, and they're just some really good old boys. And then we met him at ATA a couple times and then chat with him. And I got to meet, talk to him at ATA pretty exclusively this year. I hung out at the booth quite a bit. Um, and I just, I, you know, his dad's involved with the company. He's involved with the company. They're giving their heart and soul. Um, they're not 100%, you know, not working anywhere else and just working for broadheads. They're still trying to grind and that, that market's very, very tough. Um, but I see the same passion in Rec that I do for Exodus. And I'm starting to build that relationship with Matt like I have with the Exodus guys. And the older I get, that is more important to me than than anything like I know it's going to perform I've shot them I know it's gonna, they're going to perform they're going to go on my kids crossbow this year they're going to go on my bow um, I know that that's not going to be the option all the broadheads will perform um, I think it comes down to who you want to do business with who you want to support and that's what I want to do I'm going to support Rec and Matt um, and like I said I won't be running ads for them but if you guys want to know that's the broadhead that I will be shooting um, for the year, hopefully put down some, some giant bucks this year with them and, and, uh, support them because just like Exodus, you know, I, I really, I really, I, I love Matt, dude. He's a solid dude. I, he did, he, he deserves my support by the amount of work, hard work that he's putting in. So speaking of Exodus, Jake said, Jake Hofer said, what's the most impactful thing you're doing right now for season from now to May? So right now, the most impactful thing that I'm going to be doing on uh, the the thing that I did just earlier in, in March was find property. Most impactful thing that you can do for your season right now is get new private property, get new public property, get something else, get find new deer, whatever you can do to get on some more bucks um, and make your life a little easier to have another place to go. Um, but as for April, May... I'm going to be getting my bean plot in. I'm going to be spraying my late season plots um, where I killed my buck this year. Um, also, I'm going to be hanging some permanent sets this year. I know you guys are blown away by that, but I'm actually going to be hanging some permanent sets on one of the new pieces of private I got. Just for the fear fact of some observation sets that I know I'm going to do um, that will probably be good in gun season as well. Um, and just save me one less time packing a stand in. Um, and, and doing that. So that's what I'm going to be doing right now. I do have uh, cams out as well. Um, those are more of a, like a private protecting property kind of deal. But uh, get those food plots in, get the fall food plots prepped. And um, the most 
impactful, like biggest impactful thing that I do April to May right now is start knocking off that honeydew list like a mug. Um, right now I'm in pink boarding and siding my whole house, putting in two windows, putting in a new back door, um, and uh, building a lean-to and off my garage and and putting up a fence, putting up about eight panels of fence. So that's that's my uh, honeydew list that has to be done before season. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Um, it absolutely has to be done. Um, so that's that's the most impactful thing that I'm doing right now. Um, Reed Smith got to meet him at the Illinois show. Was up, Reed? Um, tur- he said turkey hunting this year. Yes, I will be turkey hunting this year. First season, going to work has been ridiculously insane. Um, so first season, I do have tags for Illinois. I'm going to be doing Henderson County. Um, then um, shout out to Mike from Harvest Time. Um, he's going to be coming up. I'm going to be doing some hunting with him and Garrett. Um, just not no tag, just going out there filming, hunting. And then I do have a Knox County tag uh, for third and fifth. Um, so I'll be bouncing back up here and hunting Knox County um, for turkeys this year. Um, my turkey property has been pretty crappy. I've got a lot of messages from people that the turkey population is really low. I believe it is too. Knox County is a very, very poor turkey area. Um, and T Pritch 30 said, biggest regret archery related. Um, my biggest regret archery related would be, uh, the giant that I lost, um, six or seven years ago, just, uh, not taking my time and making that shot count on, uh, you know, another world-class deer with a bow, um, a lot of work into that deer and, and, uh, one of those deer that, wasn't even on my property, should have never been able to kill, was just in the right place at the right time, magical moment, and, and I blew it. And I went in there too early, jumped that deer, and uh, never seen him again. So um wish that would have been a little bit different, played out a little bit different. That would be my biggest regret. But let me refresh this and make sure I didn't miss anybody else. Um, I think that's it. All right, well... Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this a um, little bit different podcast than normal, talking about talent over hard work, and then at, at the end, you know, throwing into some listener questions. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of things in life you can be more talented at and just be naturally good at. I don't think hunting is one of those. I think everybody that's out there killing consistently is either giving up a lot of time or putting in a lot of work, one or the other. Um, so that's, that's my two cents on it. Hopefully that makes you think about, you know, if you want to get to that level or this is something that you want to do consistently, you're listening to this podcast. I'm assuming that you want to kill, you know, kill bucks every year. Um, something that you might want to, you know, start doing, you might want to put a little more effort into it. Um, and think that it's just not going to get given to you, um, by, you know, listen to a podcast or doing this or doing this. It's going to be a combination of years of doing stuff until stuff starts clicking for you. But Like always, appreciate you guys tuning in all the way to the end. Love you guys. Always try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy. And Whitetail Legacy is out. Top coming in your holes next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.
I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Every once in a while, it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.